0: from the News Channel 5 network. This is Inside Politics. Hello everyone, I'm News Channel 5's political analyst, Pat Nolan, welcome to Inside Politics. Welcome to Capitol Hill. It's the title of a new book on Tennessee politics that will be released next month on August 17th. It outlines the worst scandals in state government over the past 50 years, why that's important to the voters and the media to remember what's happened in past years and what could happen again in the future. Two veteran Tennessee political reporters, Joel Ebert and Eric Sedgwick are our authors of that book. They join us today on Inside Politics. Gentlemen, welcome. Thanks um, for having us. Joel, I've been trying to get you, you've been a guest several times over the years when you worked at the Tennessee, and Eric, I've been trying for years as well to get you to even co on the program, but your duties and deadlines with, with the Associated Press and now with the Tennessee Journal have kept that from occurring, so I'm pleased to have you both here. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Now, to both of you, you're a very busy reporters. so why in the world did you decide you wanted to take on the added responsibilities of writing a book? <laughs>
1: uh, the idea basically came kind of during um, the early years of the pandemic. Um, in 2020, you had some time on your hands. We thought, right? Uh, we thought we might have some extra time uh, working from home and whatnot. Um, but no, we had kicked around the idea of uh, nobody's really kind of put all of these scandals that have happened in the last 50 years in one place. Uh, you read about them in news stories. You you know see a, a couple of quick TV hits and you may not be able to kind of catalog everything in one place. So Eric and I informally just started talking about that idea and then eventually it led to a pitch to Vanderbilt in
0: 2020. And Eric. Uh, people read about it in the papers and see it on television What it happens and then it kind of fades away, right?
2: Yeah, that's that's the problem, especially looking back on some of the reporting we did. You know, we have the sort of issue of reading something. Oh, wow, that's interesting. I forgot about that. And and sort of trying to string it all together into one narrative is what we tried now, to accomplish. how
0: did you choose the scandals you wanted to put in here? I think there's roughly seven chapters about different scandals. Yeah. And there's more than that going on.
1: That's true. Um, It mostly started with what are the big ones, you know, of sort of a modern era. Uh, We didn't really want to go too far back because uh, the details of those, at least in the collective memory, are a little bit fuzzy. Uh, We really tried to focus a mixture of what's current right now, uh, but then also go back to obviously the most infamous ones are, you know, Rocky Top and and the Ray Blanton era.
0: Why is recounting these scandals important? I think I talked about that a little bit, but could elaborate a little bit on why somebody should care, why somebody should read the book.
2: Well, there is recurring scandals, in the old line at the Capitol is always there's one a decade, uh, and people tend to forget as time goes on the.
0: Sometimes sh- more frequently than one a decade.
2: That's true, but the, the shock value tends to wane, and then another one happens, and people say, sort of, oh, gee whiz, you know, how, how could that happen? And, you know, it's, it's the old line about forgetting your history and having it repeat itself.
0: Now you're focusing on the early, on the, the most modern days in the last 50 years, I, in most people's political lifetimes. Uh, Tennessee was not uh, immune from scandals back from its earliest days. I mean, William Blood, who was the territorial governor of Tennessee before it became a state, got kicked out of the U.S. Senate uh, yeah. because of a scandal about about land speculation. So. You talk about those in the in the introductory part of it, so you get an idea that this just didn't start just 50 years ago. There have been off and on problems in Tennessee about scandals since it was founded in 1796.
1: That's absolutely right, and you know we also tried to say this isn't just a Tennessee problem. We think this is a uh, problem in legislatures around the country, but you know the focus is for Tennessee. This is a long history of scandalous behavior uh, on Capitol Hill.
0: Uh, Eric, what should the public and voters in particular take away from reading this and then what should they do about it or what should they keep in mind?
2: Well, it's a, a fundamentally an issue of accountability and then and people need to pay attention to what their lawmakers are up to, their public officials in general. Of course, we're our, our expertise is in the legislature, but uh, you know, it happens at the local level as well, at the federal level. Um, but yeah, I mean, our, our hope is that people pay attention and, and, and consume media and, and, and hold their representatives' feet to the fire when, when, when it's necessary.
1: And hopefully don't just get blinded by a party affiliation, right? And knowing that there are members of your own party, you have to hold their feet to the fire, too.
0: I believe you also believe that media has a role. They need to be reading this book and they need to keep it by almost like a handy reference guide. Uh, why? Because, I, I mean, doesn't the media already know these things?
2: Well, institutional memory is something that is getting lost over time. And, and in, in the press corps, there's so, so many... A fewer reporters now, and and people have been around a long time. And you know, it helps to have a handy reference. We hope uh, not that we want to tell anyone how to do their job, but hopefully, people will read it and, and use it as as a background on what's going on today.
0: One trend over the last 50 years, and particularly the last 20 or 30 years, has been the ever shrinking Capitol Hill Press Corps. There's not nearly as many covering there now as there were when I first started out back in the mid 70s. Uh, these scandals emerge because of, in many cases, because of some of your reporting. Are you concerned that because there are fewer and fewer reporters on Capitol Hill, that some potential scandals may never come to light because reporters are too busy doing the day-to-day stuff they have to do to cover what's going on in the legislature, what's going on in state government?
1: That's certainly a constant concern. But you know, as we've seen, uh, you know, young reporters will come up, get hungry, find some kind of. Uh, niche interests and maybe you know ferret out something. I mean, I was one of those kids at some point, uh, and and there's also a lot of new publications that we've seen prop up in the last few years, online based, many of them, um, and hopefully that will lead to a new era of uh, additional reporters paying attention to state legislatures.
0: Do you feel these new niche, new online niche publications are working? Are they are they actually adding to the process? Are they what we need to have in the future because it doesn't look like the mainstream media is gonna be adding many more resources?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, when you look at large corporations like uh, one that I previously worked for, uh, they often aren't investing in state houses around the country. You are seeing it in places like ProPublica now. Uh, I I do have hope that there are additional uh, desires to pump more people uh, in, in a place that really hasn't been uh, served well in the last couple of years by legacy corporations.
0: Eric, there, aren't, there are no term limits for Tennessee lawmakers. Do you find they have very li- little institutional memory too just because they don't stay in the legislature as long as they used to?
2: Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I, even though there isn't term limits, there is a lot of turnover. And uh, you know, I've been covering legislature now for you know here in Tennessee for about uh, 15 years. And I've seen, you know, lawmakers come and go, people like Mike Bell, who was a House member, then a senator, and then the po- chairman of the powerful Senate Judiciary Committee, and then retired. Uh, and I was there for the whole thing, and of course, it makes me feel old, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, there is just a, a lot of churn, and people do tend to forget.
0: We're talking about a new book coming out next month called Welcome to Capitol Hill. It's a book on the biggest scandals in state government over the last 50 years. Uh, the authors of that book, Joel Ebert and Eric Selzik, are our guests here. Back to continue our conversation after this break. Welcome back to Inside Politics. Our guests today are Joel Ebert and Eric Shelswick, uh, the two journalists in town who just written a book called Welcome to Capitol Hill. It's about 50 years of scandal in Tennessee state government particularly in the legislature. Uh, Gentlemen, um, one constant thread throughout all this is that uh, politicians that get involved in these scandals react almost always in the same way. Tell us what they do when they get caught. Because they blame certain people and it's always the same people.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, it's usually almost from the, the playbook. You blame the media and you blame your political opposition and uh, you say it's unfair and deny, deny, deny. Um, and we, we see this sort of throughout history and it doesn't matter if it was when Democrats were in charge or, or now when Republicans are in charge, it seems to be the, the knee-jerk reaction.
0: Is it more likely to happen though when one party is dominant over the other as we have right now, but there have been times when the Democrats were more prominent than the Republicans and Republicans are now. Is it more likely to happen when you have a supermajority, and again, this is all this is bipartisan, that statement, we're not talking about just what's going on now, but in the past, we had a Democratic supermajority.
1: Yeah, it certainly seems supermajorities at times feel infallible, right? They, they don't often serve as the check that they should feel on themselves, uh, because the minority party really isn't an influence in supermajority states. Uh, certainly, that's the case now. Uh, certainly, that was the case when Democrats had a supermajority here in Tennessee.
0: Uh, Eric, it is said that to forget history is to ultimately repeat it. Is that, is that another one of the themes in your thing, that if you don't think about this stuff, it can happen again?
2: Yeah, absolutely, and, and I think the, our encouragement is for people to continue to be seriously pursue, uh, you know, ethical rules and, and, and restrictions to try to prevent them from happening again.
0: In terms of institutional memory, again, we talked about lawmakers not staying in office long enough maybe to develop much institutional memory, but do the lawmakers really care whether they have any institutional memory? Do they care what happened five, 10, 20 years ago?
1: I think there is an argument that some folks there do, right? Um, When I wrote a retrospective one year, looking back on, I think it was Rocky Top, and I put together a podcast and I heard from several Republican lawmakers who th- thought it was very interesting. You know, you can read about something and then actually listen to it and hear some of the voices uh, recount that story. And they were very intrigued and said, thank you for doing this. So I do think there is a value to uh, still knowing that stuff now.
2: Except, except of course, we hope that they learn the right lessons. Right. When, when, <laughs> when, when, when Glenn Cassado was, was speaker, he uh, spoke about how everything he was doing is sort of heavy handed tactics he had learned from, from Jimmy Nafee. And of course, when, when Jimmy Nafee being the, the longtime Democratic Speaker of the House, but when Casado was in the minority, of course he hated everything Jimmy <laughs> Nafee did to him. You know, and then Republicans complained bitterly. So, you know, maybe try to figure out what, what you wanna emulate and what you don't.
0: As you did your research, first, did you find there were more scandals than you remembered You'd have to at least consider what they're gonna put in the book? And also, did you find details about the ones even that you did cover that you'd forgotten were details and the whole thing was going on? There were certainly
1: aspects of a couple of the chapters that, you know, we just, I, I think that the, the blur of time kind of, you know, you overlook certain details and they come back to light. Um, there were a couple of findings that we had. We foia uh the federal government uh, and got some uh, public records that basically showed the start of the Rocky Top, inve- er, I'm sorry, the Tennessee Waltz investigation, uh, which we initially thought might have come from John Ford, but it ended up being... Uh,
2: Lois DeBerry, yeah. you know, they were they, the whole thing seemed to generate with, with her, and she, of course, never got charged in this bribery sting.
0: One thing I've always wondered about, I don't know if you talk about this in the book or not, but these names at the Justice Department, the U.S. Attorney's Office here in Nashville gave these investigations, Rocky Top. Uh, Tennessee Wall, Tennessee Walsa. Was that just being cute, or was, was there some reason why they picked those? Certainly they were memorable, but what was, what was that all about?
1: That one, I don't know that we got to the bottom of, where they originated with the names.
2: It certainly upset uh, lawmakers, and John <laughs> Wilder and others complained bitterly that they were to be smirching the state songs. <laughs> but, of course, we now have like eight or nine state songs, so there's more to choose from. I
0: don't know if you had a chance to look beyond Tennessee to see what goes on in other states, but is, are there scandals more prevalent in Tennessee than other states, or is it pretty much this kind of stuff goes on? Periodically, all across the
1: country. yeah. I mean, I'm I'm originally and still live in Illinois, um, so the, the state okay, legislature I I there. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have to say okay. much else. Um, no, it, w- the premise to this uh, book, though, is largely uh, w- we don't think corruption and, and scandal is limited to any political party or zip code. It is, you know, nationwide. Uh, it often happens with unchecked and unfettered power, and uh, you know that's that's the problem to the the root.
0: What research tools or apps, or what people did you talk to to go back to get the background, the original both original sources and people that were present when it happened?
2: Uh, well, we had uh, you know obviously our our own connections, our sources, our our, our own reporting, uh, our interviews with the various principals who are still living, um, and then uh, one v- really valuable resources was was Newspapers.com, mm-hmm. which is a conglomerate of, of digitized newspapers going way back. Uh, in time and searchable. So uh, the days of the, the microfiche or the microfilm and using the, the controls are, are happily gone.
0: Made a lot easier than to, have to do it through microfilm, yes. And, and,
2: and, one, and once we, once the digital version of our book comes out, we have hyperlinks in all of our footnotes. So when you, when you read it, if you read something interesting that you want to check, provided you have a subscription to newspapers.com, you'll be able to click on the link and go read the story in its original format.
0: Did you have to triage any of this? Did you find that you had more than you could handle and so there's some that got left on the honorable mention no there actually wasn't
1: much left on the chopping block this was kind of from the beginning we had thought this is what we wanted and uh, Vanderbilt was very welcoming and and we really didn't leave too much left out
2: we, we did do an appendix in the back of the book that uh, that's that says uh, it's called lawmakers behaving badly and it's and it's basically just just <laughs> tidbits or just shorts of various people who you know Rob Riley's traffic were at a stop or uh, you know you name it right so the ones that we couldn't get into that in, in great depth
0: so that you you had an honorable mention almost sort of thing <laughs> in there or at least some other things that happened oh by the way this happened to maybe not quite the scandal that we're talking about these others yep. but Correct. Things that came up during the legislative session or any time during the year that you saw went, what? Yep. <laughs> um, Governor Bill Haslam wrote the foreword in your book. How did that come about and why did you choose him?
1: Uh, we, we had both covered him during uh, my time here. I, I was here for the entirety of the Trump administration um, and just got to know him a little bit and uh, thought that he would have you know gravitas uh, with this subject. He also is an appreciator of history and uh, politics and journalism. So we felt like all of that together kind of made sense with him.
0: Two outstanding Tennessee journalists are our guests today on Inside Politics. They are Joel Ebert and Eric Shelswick. They are the, uh, the authors of the new book called Welcome to Capitol Hill, about the 50 about the f- biggest scales of the last 50 years in Tennessee politics. Best to continue this conversation on the other side of these messages. Welcome back to Inside Politics. Our guests today, Joel Ebert and Eric Shelswick. They have written a book called Welcome to Capitol Hill, it's, it's a listing of the biggest scandals in state politics over the last 50 years. Uh, the book's title is Welcome to Capitol Hill. That sounds in some ways almost like a guidebook or an orientation mantle for uh, lawmakers. Why, could that, why did you choose that title?
2: Well, it's, it's actually a quote, uh, for, or, or an alleged quote from the AG's investigation into former representative Jerry Dur- Jeremy Durham's sexual harassment uh, you know, allegations. And uh, apparently, uh, you know, according the, the to the, the the Attorney General's office, he told somebody who he was conducting sexual misconduct with that this is the way things are up here. And, and cool, welcome, welcome to Capitol, to Capitol Hill. <laughs> uh, and then, then Speaker Ron Ramsey was was outraged by this, and, and in, in one of his media gatherings mm-hmm. that we were at. Uh, said, you know, when you hear something like that, welcome to Capitol Hill, it just makes you want to smash them, or smack them in the mouth.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and did Did you, the scandals that are in there, did you rank them by importance or did you rank them uh, chronologically? Yeah, so chrono- so
1: chronologically. We just thought it would be easiest for a, a reader inside or outside Tennessee to follow chronologically.
0: It's probably the oldest modern day scandal, which makes me feel old because I covered it back in 1975 74, 75 and 78. Is it perhaps best known as well just because it ended with Governor Blanton being ousted from office early that's unprecedented, either in Tennessee or in national politics. Yeah, it never happened before. There's certainly
1: an argument that is perhaps one of the most, uh, you know, uh, unusual and well-known scandals. Uh, I, I think it's worth rehashing, you know, for a new generation of people that don't know it, right? Because you're you're right. This is uh, Ray Blanton getting taken out of office a, a few days early. Just seems like something that would never happen today in this divisive era of politics.
0: And it was such a, a unique situation. Even you look back on it now, it happened within just a few hours. Uh in fact, it happened without immediately to, <laughs> well, to the most part. In fact, it came down in the afternoon after the banner had and the other afternoon papers across the state had already printed their last edition. And before the Tennessean printed their morning edition, there was no such thing as a website. There's no such thing as, as email or Twitter or anything else. What what happened really could not happen today, could it?
1: No, probably not. I mean you would have some kind of inkling that oh you know we're going to go here or this staffer is leaking this to me uh, it certainly doesn't seem like that would be uh, an embargoed thing that you could keep for a while
2: and, and not least I would add not least because of the, the bipartisan element to it I mean the governor being a democrat the legislature being a democrat and the governor-elect Lamar Alexander being a republican you would think in this day and age, nobody would do anything to help the opposing party in any way.
0: And then also, uh, had nobody else said during the whole thing, hey, wait a minute, let's have a meeting about this tomorrow because it, the longer it went, the more likely it would have leaked out. And if it did, they weren't exactly sure what Governor Blanton was gonna do. They were concerned he might bring out the National Guard, state troopers, and even try to come up and take take over the Capitol.
1: And, and even continue releasing more, you know, uh, current inmates of uh, and, and pardons. You know, that was one of the main concerns.
0: All right, your chapter outlines not just Blanton and what happened with the ouster. There were many controversies, many scandals <laughs> in the, in the Blanton administration. Is it fair to say that perhaps in modern times, the Blanton administration was the most scandal ridden?
1: I would say that's without a doubt. Yeah. I, I you can look back and uh, everything from flying the state plane to very unusual uh and elaborate places uh to uh you know at one point he gets so mad at the media and says I'm only taking friendly questions. I would have <laughs> seen those news yeah, No no
2: negative questions, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> the um there was there's a, a situation where you claim in the book that Bland may have had actually begin, had the beginning start of the effort to take the Democrats from where they were in the position of dominance to the minority position they're in today and actually help the Republicans become the dominant party. Why do you think that?
1: Well, it it certainly seems, you know, you saw the election of Winfield Dunn before uh, Blanton, that he was a Republican, but it was largely viewed as an aberration. Uh, Blanton's hopeful successor on the Democrat side was uh, Jake Butcher. And he loses uh, his election bid to Lamar Alexander in a very, uh, you know, divisive uh, election. And so it, it, it certainly seems since then we've seen pretty uh, Republican tilt that has led uh, Democrats to kind of, you know, at least lose their standing in a lot of the state partially because of the influence of the scandals that Blanton had.
0: You chronicle the collapse of the butcher banking empire that also had something to do with the, with the end of democratic dominance in the state. Um, you've all other probes included in the past, Tommy Burnett who at the time was the majority leader and actually had to be reelected to office from jail at one point. Um, some of these scandals or the current scandals are still ongoing the glencastle scandal you've been mentioning others that happened recently are you going to have to do a rewrite on the book <laughs> as things go on as they're more developed i mean glencastle wants to have the charges dropped and just filed a motion about that this week
2: yeah i mean that was the struggle where you get to have a, have a cutoff at some point uh and uh, obviously events carry on and i suppose maybe at some point down the road we'll have to come back and, and tie a bow on on some of these things or, or see how they all
0: planned out and the book comes out august 17th you're going to have a um, meet and greet and a, a signing at the John Sigithall Center, which is probably the most Im- appropriate place to have that. Uh, is it open to the public?
1: That is, August 22nd, uh, we have uh, an Eventbrite page that we just asked for people RSVP, so we know how many people are coming.
0: Joe, you're now a producer for a, a politics speaker series at the University of Chicago. What are your responsibilities there, and do you miss day-to-day journalism? Uh, I'll
1: answer the second question first.
0: Uh, <laughs> I miss the writing
1: of daily journalism. I don't miss a lot of the, uh, you know, constantly not knowing what my schedule is going to be. Uh, When I, before I left journalism, I covered the Illinois State Legislature. They would work until 4 a.m. some weekends. That was not fun. Uh, But now at the uh, University of Chicago, I help put Political discussions on. So we have guests from Mike Pence to Mike Pompeo, and uh, we have um, you know Democrats that come there and just do panel discussions or one-on-one conversations.
0: Eric, we know we'll look forward to your work in the Tennessee Journal. We don't have time to go too much into. It. I was going to ask you about the new special session, but to thank you both for being on the program today, and I hope people read the book. Thanks
1: thank for you. having us,
0: and thank you for joining us on Inside Politics. We'll be back here again for a future show. If you can't get up politics in the meantime, you can go boost on my website, you can find my Capital commentary there. To a commentary posted every Friday afternoon. Enjoy the rest of your weekend and we'll see you here next time. Goodbye. Catch-